clever is what we would call a steepened release brewer. So it has a traditional pour over shape, but has that nice little spring loaded stopper on the bottom so that you can directly immerse all of the water and all the coffee together for as long as you choose. And then once uh, your desired brew time is done, then you can put the brewer on top of a mug or a carafe and it will drain out, which is nice because it gives you that extra bit of control, kind of like you can do with an AeroPress when you choose to plunge or with a French press when you choose to plunge. It makes pouring over coffee a little more simple and it also makes uh, the end result a little bit less dependent on your method. Hi, hello, Umble Nation. Welcome back to the Coffee 101 podcast, your one-stop shop for all things coffee. If this is your first time here, this is probably going to sound a little different. I am Katie, and I am taking over host position today. I'm here in the studio with Kenneth Thomas, a very special co-host guest. How are you, Kenneth? I'm good today, Katie. Oh, How are I'm you? I'm so glad. I'm actually doing great today. Do you know what this episode is about? I do. This episode is about the Clever Dripper. We're going to be telling all of you guys about the Clever Dripper today. It's a very fascinating piece of coffee um, equipment, paraphernalia. Yes. And so we talked to, as I'm sure you know, oh, yes. we talked to uh, Josh from 8-Ounce yes, Coffee, who is also in Canada, which oh, we had somebody from Canada last, last week. Time. Yeah. So kind of fun. We had two Canadians in a row. Nice. Eight ounce coffee is a great place to, if you're a um, business owner, especially in Canada, but really anywhere around the world, get wholesale okay. um, equipment that you can then sell in your shop, including a clever dripper. Um, if you're in the USA, uh, they are your actual providers if that's something that you want in the shop but if you're just a home brewer Mm -hmm. then they have all kinds of equipment um, that they sell um, and they can get to you and then Josh this is kind of a special thing Um, you can check it out in the show notes he gave us his email address oh to give to all of the 101 listeners out there if they had questions about equipment or brewers or stuff like that. So that's a big deal. That was deal. very nice of Josh. Yeah, he doesn't have to do stuff like that. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, we Josh. That. Well, yeah. Josh sounds like an amazing person. He pretty much is. Pretty much? That's how he rolls, like, nice. pretty much all the time. Nice. Cool he people actually, are cool. He was about to, um, he said that there was a folk festival oh. where he was in Canada, um, but he wasn't going to it this year, but some of his uh-huh. colleagues had already skipped out town, and they were oh. headed to it, but he had to go to a wedding. Oh, dang. A wedding. A wedding. I'm kidding. But you usually get good food at a wedding. That's true. So, that was kind of fun. Nice. So, all right. Let's jump into it. This no, is I our. to say it. Okay, okay. You say it. Well, let's jump right into our interview with Josh about the Clever Dripper. Let's do it. Josh, good to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. So last week we had somebody from Canada and lo and behold, we've got another Canadian and we haven't had a Canadian the entire time um, that we have had the show. And then just as it happened, we had two in a row. I love to see it. 
<laughs> so so do you say a behind stuff or no i try not to but oh man do i ever do I, you'll probably hear it several times throughout okay. this interview all right all right that's kind of like for for where i am saying y'all like you all like y'all that's kind of oh, from the part of canada that says y'all a lot <laughs> okay so what where are you in canada uh we're in calgary alberta okay so that's forgive me for my lack of geography here but that's like North of Seattle? North no. of Montana. North of Montana. Okay. Yeah. So who do you have to the west, or is there? Uh, to the west of us is British Columbia. That's where Vancouver is. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, well, good deal. So if where you live is even half as pretty as Montana, then you live in a phenomenal area. I think we're pretty grateful. I'm, I'm going to have to. so close. I mean, I don't know you that well yet, but I think I think I'm just gonna have to come up and visit because uh, I'm I'm betting it's a really pretty area. It's gorgeous. It's right in the foothills of the Rockies. It's amazing. That's awesome. Well, listen. So we didn't get you on just to talk about Canada. We actually <laughs> wanted to talk about the clever dripper. Um, and you're with Eight Ounce Coffee. Actually, you're head of coffee um, or coffee education. Or just coffee in general, which would you coffee say? Coffee in general. Okay, coffee in general. Um, there with 8-ounce coffee. And um, so just, you know, you have a breadth of knowledge. Um, and we're, we're just going to, I mean, we may tangent off a little bit, but we're just going to talk mainly about the Clever Dripper um, today. And I, I'll just go ahead and throw this out there for the one-on-oneers out there that, you know, between a Clever and an AeroPress. Those are my two go-to brewers for most of my morning cups of coffee. Um, you know, if I'm not drinking just a double shot or a dopio uh, espresso. Um, and a Clever is my single go-to for my afternoon cup. So, like, if I need a cup after lunch... Um, it's usually a clever, and part of it's the simplicity, and we'll get into that. Um, but I'm going to hand it over a little bit to you, um, Josh, and maybe you can just tell me about it and um, maybe a little bit of history if you found any, um, and uh, then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the clever is what we would call a steep and release brewer. So it has a traditional pour over shape, but has that nice little spring loaded stopper on the bottom so that you can uh, directly immerse all of the water and all the coffee together uh, for as long as you choose. And then once uh, your desired brew time is done, then you can put the uh, brewer on top of a mug or a carafe and it will drain out. Uh, which is nice because it gives you that extra bit of control, kind of like you can do with an AeroPress when you choose to plunge, or with a French press when you choose to plunge. Yeah. Um. It makes it makes pouring over coffee uh, a little more simple, and it also makes uh, uh, the end result a little bit less dependent on your method. Mm. So it's a little more forgiving in that way. Yeah, and I think forgiving or simplicity or whatever you want to call it is um is you know one thing that has drawn me and kept me coming back uh to a clever because you know a lot of times like you haven't had that cup of coffee and so 
you know, your, or at least my ability to think clearly and with precision and accuracy is just not there yet. And so, um, and it, it, it pretty consistently, I'd say makes a, makes a great cup of coffee. I totally agree. And one of the things that I like the most about it is that, I mean, you can even talk to the most seasoned coffee shop barista and they can tell you that uh, making a pour over uh, requires technique and requires a lot of practice to get mm-hmm. it consistent and it requires specialized equipment, things like a gooseneck kettle. Uh, but with a, with a clever, you don't need that, that gooseneck kettle. Any tea kettle that you have around uh, will work just fine. Right. And, uh, you know, for, for an everyday cup, it's not a big investment and it makes delicious coffee. Yeah. And, you know, it usually comes in a little set, we'll say. Um, and so one thing, and, and I'm going to say this because like if one of oneers out there, if, if you're like me, when you, when you get all, when you get everything, um, like there's, there was like a couple of pieces initially. I was like, why would, what, like, what is this? Like, why would I use this? And so, um, one thing I'd say is there's a little, a lot of times they'll come with a little, it's almost like a little saucer or a little plate that you would rest the actual, um, brewer or the dripper on. Um, and that's to prevent getting your counter messy. Um, I will say with that, that at least the, I've got, I think three different clevers and a couple of different sizes. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, and I don't really ever use that plate uh, because I have not had any trouble with the stopper or the plunger in the bottom um, leaking. Um, have you? What are your thoughts, Josh? I have never had that problem myself either. I think um, just in case uh, there's any moisture on the bottom from at, when you're done um, releasing your brew into your carafe or your cup, uh, there might be some hot liquid out there that could condense onto the countertop, mm-hmm. I suppose. So that's what makes the plate a little bit handy. Um, and then the other piece that it comes with is, is the lid. Right. And the lid is nice to just keep some of the heat in while you're brewing. Right. Yep. That's what I was going to say about the lid. So the lid is advantageous in that, um, the rest of, we'll say your pour or your immersion is, is surrounded by that plastic, which is, conserving the heat because you're wanting to keep um, your temperature within that certain range as far as optimal extraction, but the top is not. And so that's where that lid uh, comes in handy as far as heat retention during, you know, that amount of time that you want to extract the coffee. Yeah, absolutely. That, that temperature can drop down quite a lot if you don't have that lid on. And so the end of your extraction is much lower temperature and the coffee won't be as hot. Right. Right. Um, you know, and so like, for example, and I'll, I'll kind of go a little later over kind of how I do it, how I do my own at home. But, um, if you're like me and at least once in the process, you either want to do another little bit of a pour or you want to stir, um, your brew bed, you know, then you just simply, you take that lid off, you know, you start a little bit and then you put that, that lid, um, back on, um, just to conserve that heat. Absolutely. And I think that that little stir that you might, that you might want to do is great to make sure that, um, all of the coffee that 
you have in there is is in contact with water because it's very easy for coffee to clump up, right? Uh, particularly up here. Um, I'm not sure what it's like where you are, but it's quite dry here. Mm-hmm. And the more dry your your sort of atmosphere is, uh, the more likely coffee is going to want to clump. And mm-hmm. it may it and if it's if it clumps, then it's not going to extract in, unless you stir it. Yeah, that's interesting. So, like, so I'm in Mississippi, and if if a humidity could be above a hundred percent, it would be in Mississippi. <laughs> and so we have the opposite problem. So I was actually um, on a trip uh, this past week, uh, and I was in Rome, and so super dry as far as humidity goes there, and it was like 105 degrees. So they were hit. They were having um, record heat, but honestly, it felt better at 105 to me than like 87 feels with the humidity in Mississippi. So I would much prefer to not have the humidity, um, in the air, but maybe I get the advantage of it not clumping as much. I don't know as far as my coffee goes. It's all trade-offs. I yeah. think I'm with you, though. I think I'd rather have the the lack of humidity. Yeah, you just look outside here and you just start sweating. You know, you don't <laughs> even have to go outside. Um, but, you know, you were talking earlier about once you're finished with your brew and putting the Clever Dripper on that little plate, one thing I do um, just as like a little, I don't know if you'd even call it a ninja trick or just a, just a OCD, whatever, but like I will, I'll actually lay my clever dripper like on its side on that little plate. Um, because you know, technically, um, you know, that will open up that little plunger area, and so I also get a little airflow through there, and so it just dries faster. Um, you know, as opposed to when you have a little bit of water inherently left at the bottom, if the plunger is closed, um, which always tends to happen otherwise. So I don't know. That's just one little thing that I do. I've also heard of um, people doing that, um, which is great. I think um, if the if the plunger is stored in the open position, um, it will dry out better and it will last longer. It'll add a little bit of longevity. Not that I've really seen these things fail yeah uh but but they can i've still had like you know after years i've had the three that i have two of them i've had for like two or three years but one i've probably had uh it's got to be six seven eight years and and um i mean i i still haven't haven't had any trouble out of it i mean there aren't that many moving parts but the moving parts that are in there are engineered quite well as far as like you know it's like mark twain mark twain said um writing somebody sometime he said uh he said i'm sorry i'm sorry i couldn't write write you a short letter so i wrote you a long one you know mm-hmm. and and sim- simplicity that is well engineered is hard you know it's like a it's like a uh like the design of how you scroll through stuff with apple products you know, it, it's hard to get that simplicity, but I think the Clever does a great job of that. I think the AirPress does a great job of that. I think the Chemex does a great, great job with that. Um, just as far as a few 
you know, off the top of my head. I think that's one of my favorite things about, about brewing coffee is that all of my favorite brewing devices are just like that. They're simple and they're, the design is very elegant. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so tell me this. So let's go through, there's a couple of different sizes for the Clever Dripper. Um, so if you want, I'd like for you to go through those and then what, what filters fit those and, and like how much people can expect to be able to produce like how many ounces or grams or whatever from, you know, those, those different sizes. Yeah, um, I'm going to give my answers in grams and milliliters, if that's all right with you. I can give ounce approximations, but being from Canada, that's just what I'm most most familiar with. We are going to honor your system and and not not force you to, you know, because honestly, grams and milliliters make more sense. And we've talked about this on the show before, too, but we won't get into that here. Go ahead. Okay, sure. Uh, they do come in two sizes, although the small size, the 300 milliliter size, really isn't widely available because I'm, mm. I'm not sure um, what your experience is, but almost everybody would rather use the larger size because they can make the, the same smaller 300 milliliter brew inside the larger size anyway. Right. But anyway, it, it comes in a 300 milliliter and a 500 milliliter. And those are really nominal capacities. I wouldn't ever, uh, to be honest, re- recommend brewing to the maximum capacity right um uh, i would brew at most about 400 to 425 milliliters in the big one uh that's and that's because you know you you have to put coffee in there right and that and the coffee takes up space and the type of filter that it takes which is the melita number four uh, also known as the kalita 103 um that is not going to come all the way up to the very top of the brewer where that nominal capacity is measured from. Mm-hmm. And so I like to keep it down around 400 personally. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I agree with that. So I've seen, uh, most folks will say, you know, max it out at four at best four fifty as far as milliliters go of water. And so, for example, if you're doing, um, 400, um, milliliters, then if you're doing a 1 to 16 uh, coffee-to-water ratio, then that's about 25 grams of coffee. And I'm blanking, um, but I'll look it up real quick. Uh, 450, or we'll say 400 milliliters to ounces um, is right at about 13.5 ounces. Um, So that's a pretty solid, you know, cup of coffee. It's a nice big cup. It's like, uh, it's going to end up being, uh, I think the yield from that's going to be about 12 ounces, which is, yeah, uh, you know, a, a Starbucks tall. Yeah. And this is a super important point. Um, when Josh is talking about yield, think about it, 101ers. When you put in, we'll say 400 milliliters of water, when you finish, the grounds are not completely dry. What that means is you have retained some water, and that's expected. You know, we would expect, um, I think off the top of my head, 18 to 20% um, retention. It, it, that might not be the exact number as far as, like, water goes um, into. And so that's, ultimately that's going to say, that's going to lend to you're not going to get the same amount of water out. And that's a very, very, very important point across all coffee. 
Yeah, the uh, rule of thumb that I like to use is that every gram of coffee that you have put in to your brew uh, will hold on to about one and a half to two grams of water. Stick with us. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101, brought to you by Humble Coffee. All right, so let's say that you have bitten the bullet and you bought a Clever and you're thinking, what kind of coffee should go with this? Well, really, you know, any kind of coffee um, goes great with a Clever dripper. Uh, Like I say in the episode, um, it's one of my favorite ways and one of my go-tos as far as the simplicity and the consistency. Um, I actually had a cup of coffee this morning on a Clever dripper. it's a little fancy, but it was a carbonic maceration processed coffee that was out of, I think it was Nicaragua, but it might have been Colombia. Um, but anyway, it was good, and I actually used some of what we talked about in the previous episode, which was on French press, so if you didn't listen to that, go back and listen to that, about um, leaving it in there a little longer and not having to worry about being over-extracted on an immersion brew. Um, and it was a really good cup of coffee. Um, so if you haven't, go back and listen to that last episode because uh, we talk about a little bit of that, um, which would then benefit to this episode. But anyway, if you're looking for coffee to go with your Clever, check out Humble Coffee, humblecoffee.com. Uh, you can click on the link in the show notes. Um, and if you are a business that is just looking to educate your new baristas coming on board, then just pick and choose different Coffee 101 episodes and tell them, you know, you've got to go listen to these 10 episodes um, before we bring you on or within the first month. Um, You know, it's a free turnkey experience that they can have, um, and you just... You don't have to worry about anything, um, and you don't have to worry about teaching them, or at least the baseline stuff. You can just send them to whatever selected episodes you want, and um, they at least get some base knowledge, um, and it saves you some time as a business owner. So do that. I think you'll enjoy it. All right, let's get back to the show. So interesting point, um, and we've talked about that this is, it kind of looks like a pour-over And technically, if you mistakenly put it on top of your mug as if it was a pour-over, then you are going to get a pour-over. But what you do is with the Clever Dripper, it's got a plunger in the bottom that gravity will keep closed for you until you put it on your mug. And you'll just have to, and they're not expensive, um, you'll have to order um, a Clever Dripper um, and just look at it and see, and it'll make sense. Um, but it's just going to keep everything in there until you decide to let it out. Exactly. If you want your coffee a bit stronger, you can let it steep a little bit longer. Or if you have four or five things on the go and you don't want to have to be standing in front of your dripper as you're brewing your coffee, you want to be getting ready in the morning, cooking breakfast for the kids or something like that. It's not going to, it's not going to have the same drastic impact on the final flavor of your cup if you let it steep a little bit longer. Right. You know, and what I'd like to do, um, well, I'll ask you first if you have any specifics on how you make your clever, you know, personally, 
um, as far as a cup of coffee. Um, and then, you know, I can throw in, you know, kind of how I make mine. Sure. Um, you talked about doing uh, about 25 grams for 400 grams of water. Um, I think that's a great ratio. Um, sometimes I go a little bit higher. So if I'm doing 400 grams in my clever, I might do 30, no, I might do, yeah, I might do 30 grams of coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's because, um, this might, I mean, we can get into extraction dynamics if you want, but, uh, and that's just because, uh, immersion brews tend to taste better with a little, a little bit higher ratio of coffee in my opinion. Well, let me say this, and then don't don't lose your place. Um, but let me just jump in and say this. So, what I was saying, you know, would be for like a one to sixteen, you know, coffee to water ratio. Um, I did not know the reason, but I have seen um, like several, you know, people that you know I appreciate their insight, uh, including like James Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Um, they would use as as little as a one to twelve coffee to water ratio up to a one to 15, one to 16. And so what you're saying for your cup is about a one to 13, which, which falls in that range, um, which I think is super interesting. Um, but, but yeah, explain if, if you don't mind, um, why you go a little stronger on the coffee side. Yeah. Um, the reason is that, um, at that higher ratio you get, you're not, as likely to over extract your coffee and get that bitter quality in an immersion blend. So you can, mm. um, you can push, I mean, you can grind a lot finer than you think you can. I should also add, but, yeah. uh, you can, you can add more coffee and, but and still get a good extraction out of it. I know that sounds a little bit backwards. Um, I can go, there's a lot of math, uh, that was done by people like, uh, Vince Fidelli and place, and people like that who who calculated um, how to uh, measure extraction in your coffee using refractometry. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those, um, once you change the assumptions from how much moisture is being held onto by the coffee, like in a full immersion blend, the what's being held onto is coffee that's at the same strength as the as the brew that you got out. Whereas in a pour over the liquid that's been retained by the coffee is more or less a slightly weaker than the very last bit of your, of your port, which is always significantly weaker than the average mm. extraction or the average strength of your brew. Yeah. And so using that math, we, we were able to figure out that you can still get a great extraction with um, using less coffee or using more coffee, sorry, using a smaller coffee to water ratio. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, because one thing, that um, I have noticed, and I, you know, I think it, that might change um, how much, or, or as far as like what my ratio is, um, is that the cups that I've used a one to sixteen ratio tend to, um, you know, not taste as good as if I did that one to sixteen on, say, a pour over everything else being equal. So I might go up, I may do, I may try one to 12, one to 13 and just see what happens. I think, uh, I think it's a lot of fun to try out. Yeah. Um, and so, so you do that and then take us through your actual pour process. Sure. Um, you had mentioned, um, some work that James Hoffman had done and, you know, if you see his clever video Mm. on YouTube, uh, he shows a method that was, uh, first shown off by workshop coffee also 
in London, England, where uh, after you fold the paper filter along the seams to, to, to let it sit a little bit more nicely in the brewer and you've preheated and rinsed your, your filter, the first thing that you do is actually add the brewing water into the device before you even add your coffee. Right. And the reason for that, um, and my own brewing bears this out as well, is that it gives you a more consistent drawdown time. Yeah. Which I think is, uh, I think it's ideal for, for making brews that are very repeatable. Right. And so, so I'll add, you know, my 400 milliliters of water and then I'll add my 30 grams of coffee that's ground roughly the same as I would for, uh, if I'm brewing a V60. So it's not quite as fine as it would be for a, a French press at all, but still more fine than it would be for espresso, obviously. Um, and then I'll let it steep for, um, about a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. Once I add the coffee and I'll stir it to make sure that it's fully, uh, saturated, let it sit for a minute and a half. And then I'll give one final stir to break that crust that forms at the top. And then let that brew, uh, draw down on top of a carafe. Mm-hmm. I like to brew into a carafe because then I can portion out the coffee into the cup and it'll, I like to drink my coffee a little bit cooler, so it'll cool down nice and quickly. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, and you know, kind of what Josh is talking about here is adding the water first is, is one big interesting twist. Um, and what it does for a clever dripper that um, people have gone and actually done the experiments and 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 seen this is you, you more consistently can predict how long that drawdown time is. And drawdown time is what we're talking about when you the time from when you start to finish. Well, when you start to put the dripper on your cup and it starts literally drawing down until that has completed, basically. Um, And so anywhere in the process for anything that we talk about that you can get some predictability, and with that repeatability is always a good thing Um, because you're you're doing what I call taking um, variables out of the equation, you know, so that if something is wrong, um, you can make one change, you know, without several changes at once and, not knowing what it is that has helped or hurt you, you know, in that next cup. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, well, I don't think that I have anything that would top, um, you know, that description as far as, um, how you use a clever. Um, and again, part of it is like what we originally talked about is, um, that, um, you know, it's, it's fairly simple, and straightforward. Um, and so anything else you can think of with a, with a clever dripper that we didn't talk about? Um, I think the cool thing about the, the clever and other brewers kind of like it is that they're made of plastic. And I know that plastic can be, um, can get a bad rap in a lot of cases. And in, in lots of cases, maybe it's not such a, uh, a good thing to use, but for, for coffee brewing, I advocate for plastic because, it won't really absorb heat and it won't really transfer heat. Yeah. So if you use like a, like a metallic brewer, it will transfer heat so quickly. It's it's just a big, 
yeah. uh, heat sink that's going to cool down your brew really quickly. If you use ceramic, it looks nice and it feels nice. It feels nice and heavy and it feels great, uh, but it will suck up that heat. Mm-hmm. And so it requires so much more hot water to heat up. The Clever, if you just rinse with hot water from your tap, and you do want, I, I, I do think that you'd want to rinse to get r- rid of those loose fibers from the paper filter so that th- those don't end up in your cup. Um, especially because, you know, the coffee is sitting in that, that, I mean, on top of that filter for so long, right? it makes sense to rinse. But what I like about this is that you don't need to have a, uh, a, uh, massively hot preheat in order to get a good extraction temperature. Yeah. You know, and, and talking about the different things, plastic versus ceramic versus metal, a good, quick and dirty, easy way to figure out how bad of a heat sink or heat loss, you know, a vessel is, is just to put your hand on it. Um, you know, you're going to see with the metal that it's going to be super hot. You know, you're losing a lot of that brew temperature uh, quickly, uh, ceramic a little less so, and plastic a little less so. And another thing I'd point out about the Clever, you know, when we're talking about plastic is, um, you know, it it kind of touts as um, BPA-free, um, you know, which is another thing that people uh, find important. Yeah, I remember, oh, way back in 2007, uh, the first AeroPress that I ever bought uh, was that sort of like bluish tinge, and that was definitely not a BPA-free <laughs> plastic. Yeah. Uh, but it was... I mean, I loved that AeroPress. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't use it anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, listen, tell me about, uh, let's shift gears a little bit and tell me about 8-ounce coffee and, and what you're up to there and uh, the good things that they and you are doing in the world. Cool. So uh, we are based in Calgary, Alberta. We are 8-ounce coffee, and we are a distributor of specialty coffee gear. Uh, we import brands like Fellow, Hario, Time More, Kalita, Clever. Yeah. Uh, and we and we s- sell them to both retail and wholesale customers across across the country. Um until until recently it was hard to find, you know, like a, a lot of specialty coffee products are quite niche. Mm-hmm. And specialty the specialty coffee industry, it's grown a lot, but it's still pretty small. And it was even smaller ten years ago. And it was hard to find a place where you could buy products like this to to make coffee at home or in your coffee shop. Uh, reliably. And that's, and that's what eight ounce is trying to do. Get, make the products a bit more accessible, bring more good coffee to more people. Uh, We've even started selling coffee. We sell coffee from roasters all across Canada and even around the world. Now Uh, we have a lot of European roasters that I think do a great job and uh, shameless plug. We do ship to the United States. Yeah, no, it's not shameless. It's a, you know, this is, it's all about like what I call education and information. And so it's helpful because, you know, even our listeners, we have all the way from what I call the coffee curious to um, the coffee industry. Um, and so there are people out there um, always looking for, um, you know, who they can do. Um, well, in, in industry example, being, you know, wholesale, um, you know, um, relationships with, um, all the way to the home brewer just looking for um, 
just an easy way to access and get, you know, that that clever tripper or whatever it is, Hario V60, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and the AeroPress too. We think that um, those are the backbone of of what's what I think has made specialty coffee grow so much is these accessible home brewers yeah. and things like the clever, which make the process incredibly simple right. and very forgiving to your other favorite, the, the AeroPress, which is, I mean, probably the most versatile coffee brewer in the sense that you can brew coffee with so many, so many different strengths and flavor profiles just with that one little device. I think that um, more and more people are seeing all the fun ways that you can brew coffee and make it, make it your own, make it taste exactly how you want it to. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, and um, I, I've only been in specialty coffee at this point about maybe five years or so. Um, but I'd say 10 years ago, you, you know, if if you told me that you can make just as good a cup of coffee at home as you could get at a coffee shop, I'd say, no, <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> um, but today with the quality roasters out there in the world um, and the accessibility um, that we have to them, uh, include Noble Coffee, um, and with access to all of these different brew devices and, you know, with places to get some of that, you know, technical knowledge like Coffee 101 or, you know, YouTube uh, videos with James Hoffman um, and other other um, people like that, um, then, you know, it, it does make it easy uh, to actually get a really great cup of coffee at home. Absolutely. I've been, uh, I've been in this industry for uh, a long time. Uh, this is my 16th year. Yeah. Uh, and you're only 20 for... years old. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I, uh, uh, and just seeing the growth of the brewing at home. Yeah. Sort of, it's uh, fun. uh, yeah, I, I, it's so much fun and people can, geek out over it. People can get as specific as they want. They can dial. I mean, you can, you can take it as far as you want. There's a real rabbit hole. It is. There, there's definitely a rabbit hole and it does continue to go deeper and deeper. Um, you know, just to, to whatever your enjoyment level is, but, but I'm kind of like you, I, I love, love seeing, um, those light bulbs go off when people learn something or they have an aha moment or they taste a, taste or smell a coffee like they've never tasted or smelled before. Um, those are really fun. Do you, do you have like an aha moment that you clearly remember? Oh yeah. Do you? Yes. All right. I'll tell mine real quick. Um, and then I'd love to hear yours. So basically when I got into, um, specialty coffee, um, honestly at that point I was drinking, Folgers and Maxwell House. I thought that's what coffee was. Um, and, you know, I thought, okay, I'd like to get into specialty coffee. I'm not 100% sure what that means, but that's what I want to see if I can figure out. And so it just so happened that um, at the time it was the SCAA, Expo Specialty Coffee of America Association, Association of America. Now it's the SCA, Specialty Coffee Association. Um, 
had their expo, their annual expo in Atlanta, Georgia, which is about five hours from where I live. And I went to that. And of course, there's lots of free coffee. And the first place I stopped and got an espresso and I turned and walked away and, you know, got far enough away, let it cool off a little bit and took that first sip. Uh, And it was like nothing I had ever tasted before in my entire life. And in my cockiness, I almost went back and told them and, and, you know, to, to comment that, that they, they must've like, like done something wrong (laughs) because it did not taste it did not taste like what i thought coffee tasted like but but luckily i did not go back and give them the where to because obviously i was the one who was in error um, because after that second espresso then the third i realized okay there's a pattern here and it's a way better coffee world than what i thought was out there so that was my that was probably the biggest aha moment for me. How about you? Uh, before I answer that question, that do you remember what the coffee was? It was a Kenyan coffee that was probably, in hindsight, what I would call a medium dark roast. Um, so the Kenyan, it, it would have been in your face anyway, as far as the fruit mm-hmm. goes, but it was mellow enough, so it had to. It had to have been a medium dark, because um, I don't. I, I think a, a even a medium probably would have been too too in your face, but yeah, yeah, probably. And it was a, it was a washed processed. Cool. If for me it was a, uh, I drank a. I mean, I think this is a pretty common one. I drank a naturally processed ethiopian coffee yeah uh, from, a, from a roaster here uh, in canada called 49th parallel and it was a coffee that i mean it just exploded yeah with like blueberries and strawberries yeah and i had i had never thought in my life that i could taste the coffee like that yeah like yeah and, and you're like uh, what it, is this i know right <laughs> like just uh I grew up on in Canada. Our, our national coffee chain, Tim Hortons. Yeah, I I went through high school and university on that in Starbucks. Yeah, and I mean Starbucks, you could buy coffee that was from Ethiopia. You could buy coffee that was from Guatemala. You could buy single origin coffees, but it but they were dark I mean, it was all it was so dark that you couldn't really taste those qualities. Right. And then when I had my first light roast Ethiopia natural, I was I was hooked. Yeah. Now, it makes a big difference because those, of course, those darker roasts, they, what I call, all move towards roast flavor, which is not a bad flavor. It's just not a very, all. very specific flavor, um, whereas your lighters, you know, we've talked about on the show before, um, are going to give you more of that terroir or that origin. Yeah. Everything that happened to the coffee before it was roasted, uh, you'll, you'll taste a whole lot more. Yep. That's right. And, uh. And nowadays you're tasting so many more interesting uh, varieties and processes. Yeah. And we're at the point where you can actually, I mean, you know, when you have a coffee that's like a geisha variety or a Pacamara variety, you can, you can oftentimes taste that it's that variety. Right. Or, you know, you have these anaerobic and thermal shock processes beyond just the, the traditional wash and dry. Yeah. It's, it's a whole new world. I think those are the two big things as far as um, where we're going to see a lot of playing around in, in coffee 
are the varietals or the varieties or the cultivars um, and the processing methods because both of them in their own respects can make a huge difference in the final cup, like the fragrance, aroma, and taste for sure. Absolutely. Those are such big drivers. Yep. Well, listen, it was a pleasure having you on and talking about the clever dripper. And uh, we will make sure for our one oneers out there, and we'll put a link in the show notes for 8-Ounce Coffee. Um, and we'll actually put a couple of links. We'll put one for if anybody needs anything retail. And I can assure you I've been on the site, and they have just about anything that you can think of. Um, and then if you're looking for wholesale and it doesn't have to just be Canada, um, if you're looking for wholesale, whether that's AirPress or Clever or, um, something fellow, um, or all kinds, just, uh, check them out. We'll put a link. Um, and then of course, if you want to follow eight ounce coffee, it's just eight ounce coffee on Instagram. They probably have some other social medias, but, um, that's eight ounce coffee on Instagram is our main one. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's the main one. And so, um, and then if they have, if they have questions, then, uh, then we'll put Josh's, uh, personal cell phone at the, uh, <laughs> we, won't, we won't do that. <laughs> we won't do that. But they, they do have access to, um, to, to advice there with eight ounce coffee. So pleasure having you on today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And if people do want to email me, uh, I'm happy to share my email address. Yeah. Yeah. Share it. Go for it. Yeah, it's just Josh at 8OunceCoffee.ca. At 8OunceCoffee.ca. Okay. We'll make sure and we'll put that in the uh, the show notes as well. Um, so just be prepared. They might ask you random random stuff, but it'll be good stuff. I know you'll I've be been, happy uh, to help them. I love answering coffee questions. All right, man. Well, take care. I enjoyed the talk. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Well, thank you guys for listening to the interview. I'm going to switch back our positions because I don't really know what to say. So, Kenneth, you are now officially the host of this episode. Well, there you go. I know. What an honor. So, I enjoyed the episode, and Josh was a breadth of knowledge. That's a B. No, that's a B-R-E-A-D-T-H. Breadth. 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 Which is really hard to say with in a microphone. That's how I am with um like words with an S T on the end. I don't say the T because it's hard for me. Like I don't say breakfast. I say breakfast. Breakfast. Yeah. Well, he was a breadth of knowledge, and uh, I enjoyed having him on. And uh, like I said, one of wonders out there, uh, clever dripper honestly is a really great way to get your coffee fix on in the morning or you know anytime yeah um so we would recommend it uh they're pretty cheap they're plastic and um they're easy all right that's it for today i was joined in the studio by the lovely katie and we talked to josh of eight ounce coffee so y'all can check them out um and we want you to do two things for us We want you to tell a friend or seven friends, and we want you to give us a rating and give us some feedback. I actually read some feedback. I need to show Katie um, this past week. 
that was, I mean, you know, just kind of makes us blush, um, makes us uh, kind of re, it reinforces that to us that, that, that we're happy to be doling out the education um, as far as coffee goes. And, and we're happy that people are finding it worth it as far as something to listen to. Yeah. Um, that's really why we do it. We just love education. Um, we love just getting out there and geeking out about coffee stuff. So, love you guys, and we will see you next time on Coffee 101.